Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. We're also on BitChute and YouTube. you find the links in the podcast description. I'm also a podcasting coach with four other podcasts. you find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. Now, today's a little bit different because I get bombarded with people wanting to be on my show. But I asked this person to be on my show because he's made my life so much easier. I'm podcasting for five years. And he has created a platform that I have, I, I think, 230 as of today guests from his platform, Podmatch. He's also, you've got, you're a serial entrepreneur. You've got Pod Pros, Pod Lawfrey, Pod SOP. Please welcome Alex San Filippo. Roy, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And and yeah, thank you for asking me to be a guest. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here and I've, I've mentioned before, I've, I listened to your podcast, so you, you just do some great work. So it truly is an honor to be here today. So, like, I want to touch on a lot of things. Yeah. And just speaking as well. But what I read, because I started as an entrepreneur early. I was nine. I was out washing cars and stuff. But I see you started very early as well. You had me beat by one year. I started <laughs> when I was 10, I would say. <laughs> so what I was doing is I was, um, I was selling used golf balls. Across the street from my neighborhood, there was a golf course. And uh, we, we started, me and some other kids in the neighborhood started finding golf balls and selling them to, to golfers. And yeah, that was kind of my start as entrepreneurship. And it was an interesting time in my life because it's the first time I felt like I was doing something that I was good at and maybe loved. And maybe it's weird for like a 10-year-old kid to be that uh, self-aware, but I just realized I'm like, wow, this is what I, I, like, I love this. And it wasn't just the act of selling golf balls. It was organizing kids in the neighborhood to go find them, to clean them to sort them, to sell them, to price them, right? Like all those things. And then talking to people, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know what your early entrepreneurial journey was like, but uh, but mine was one of self-discovery and really learning the things that I liked. One was actually washing cars and then kind of doing Baba jobs, which is asking people if they had any jobs to do. Then I started doing newspapers at 11. With the money from that, I bought a lawnmower. And then I just go around cutting grass in all the areas. And I even had people working for me doing that. Then at 18, I was buying and selling motorbikes. I was always doing something. And I think the skill set from that kind of helps you for further developments. You don't kind of realize it because like if you're going around selling stuff, you don't have the fear that a lot of people have. Yeah, that that is beyond true. I mean, because even at that young age, I learned to talk to adults, right? I mean, I was talking to adults that wanted to buy golf balls. I was I was 10. Uh, most 10-year-olds, especially maybe even in today's world, might be worse, like really have no idea how to like have a conversation with an adult. Uh, but Roy, you doing all those things. I got to ask, have you ever had a real job? I just got to ask. Have you ever had like, <laughs> in a, like a, a quote unquote real job from a corporate standpoint? I actually did. And I okay. think you're, because you're, I've I'm reading through the different things because I think it's similar because you actually kind of entrepreneurial jumped into corporate and then kind of back out and then thankfully yeah. kind of. So I was working in construction for about 12 years, I think, in Ireland. So I was working for a mechanical contractor as a project manager and then a regional manager. So I was doing that and then development kind of with companies myself that I set up. I, I don't know, 20 different companies that I've formed over the years. Wow. You know, you mentioned 12 years in corporate. I did 15. You started at nine. I started at 10. I feel like everything, Roy, you're like one step ahead of me. No, no you, you've you actually, you, you've beat me on the, on the, the stats. I like, I don't know about the previous ones because I can't see them, but uh, like we bought it, we're in the top half percent because I, for the podcast, I've got five, four of them have got to the top, but your listening score is 52. 
um, minus the max that I've got. I have three at 51. I don't know what that's about, but you, I don't you know say, either. So you, you're beating me. <laughs> I've got one thing on Roy, everybody, just so everyone who's checking this out. It means from a podcast standpoint, I got to keep on grinding, but my goodness, 230 people from Podmatch. That's unbelievable. That's and unreal. Fantastic guess. Like I suppose this, cause I want to talk about your speaking career, sure, as well, yeah, but yeah. I, but, but I want to talk about Podmatch because basically when you're doing podcasting, like at the start, you're reaching out to people and you're trying to organize guests. And it's normally in a skill set that you know, so you have a few contacts. That's kind of what most people do. But then you kind of run out of them and you start looking for people. But you have kind of, I think you even have it on your, your own thing. It's like the Tinder for podcasters, like you're matching them, but you're regimental in removing the fluff because you have a system that everywhere, no matter what platform you get into, there's always people... They're just wasting people's time and you don't allow that. And I saw that from the start. Plus, I'm, I don't know how many years it is that I'm in it, but I believe you just celebrated. Was it three years on that one? Three years. Yeah. Just a few days before we're recording this. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. But I could even see that you were constantly developing it, you know, just how it looked and everything. And you were getting feedback and you have made it so easy to book people, to give reviews. It's like there's other platforms out there, but yours is a hundred times better than the rest of them because I've, I've well, played with all of them. I, I feel like I need to pay you for this. This is great. Thank you. <laughs> you didn't tell them you paid me before. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to disclose it. It's a podcast, right? So, <laughs> no, I really appreciate honestly, all that. And you've got like, I, I've got good relationships from the guests that come in. Like, there is very high caliber people that are there to be on shows. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things I didn't expect because you got in podcasting. You said, was it five years you've been into it? Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm again, a little bit behind you. I'm at like four and a half years, I think when I got into podcasting, but uh, when I first got in, you'll remember this. There's like basically pre 2020 podcasters looking for guests and post 2020 podcasters looking for guests. But before 2020, man, like asking, trying to get a guest, at least for me and my podcast did fairly well. It wasn't as big as is today, but I couldn't convince anyone to be a guest. Like I struggled to find people to, to agree. I was always like, okay, hopefully I got someone for next week. I got to just find anyone who will come on the show. And that's changed so much. I think that people have just realized the value of podcasting. And, and like you mentioned, like there's high caliber people, people are realizing, okay, there's actual value in me being a guest on a podcast, getting to share my journey. Uh, Roy, especially a podcast, any of your podcasts, like you have a bunch of listeners on all of your shows. So it's one of those things, if someone comes on the show, they're going to get to talk to somebody that maybe needs to hear their message. And I think that people are just coming around to the fact that this is a really great way to connect with somebody, possibly better than any other form of medium out there right now. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, even especially like with people that are promoting a book, if they've got a good message and like the way your system works, like you can actually go in. And it recommends us from the AI, but it's not the willy nilly. I mean, I've got fantastic recommendations from right. that because obviously you can do a search and you can go looking for people on keywords, but it gives recommendations and you're going, wow. You know, I would like if you had to search for these people outside of that platform, that is serious amount of work to do. Yeah. I, I'm not even willing to do it anymore. I, I exclusively use Podmatch now, and I guess maybe I should. I'm, I'm biased and stuff like that, of course, right? But I just, I don't have the, the time to do the research. And it shows me that instead of reaching out to somebody and hearing a no, and I, I don't want to be a guest on a podcast, now I know that if there's someone on that platform, they want to be a guest on a podcast. So when I reach out, 
there's a pretty good chance unless they just really don't like my show they might actually say yes. So yeah, so I, I've, I've exclusively decided to, to focus there on, on both sides of my finding guests and being a guest. And, um, and yeah, it, it's simplified my life in a major way. As a matter of fact, when I was first, and sorry, I don't mean to go on a tangent here, Roy, but no, I think this cool, is important because this actually relates to speaking a little bit. I was speaking and podcasting and podcasting was burning me out. And this is going back years ago before Podmatch was a thing. And you actually had a great episode about burnout. It was episode 221 it's from 516 2023 with martin talking about how burnout can just i mean it, it de everyone knows it derails you right but being able to to see the signs and for me one of the signs was podcasting like i almost stopped and it was one of those things i was like man i, I want to speak as well but when i'm burnt out i'm a terrible speaker and uh anyway i encourage everyone go back and listen to episode 221 with martin it was it was a really great transparent conversation that i think is worth listening to and the whole idea of like, I don't want to just obviously derail the conversation, just talk about pod match the whole time and stuff, but it's one of those things that can help you avoid burnout. And again, it, by avoiding burnout, you're, you show up better for people, whether that's on a stage through speaking, whether that's through podcasting on either side of the mic or however it is that you show up, if you're feeling burnout, you can't show up fully yourself. Like you've got to be able to avoid that and tools like pod match. The idea is simplification and people that see that tend to be really high quality people. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, like you're continuously sharpening the saw. So you went out and asked, I believe, a thousand people why they quit. And yeah. I thought that was fantastic because there is a lot of and there's nothing worse than enjoying a podcast and it disappears. And it's usually down to monetary. Like there's so much time that's worked putting into this that they're not making money. They assumed, you know, the sponsors would be knocking on the door. So I'm just curious, like, because I mean, there's obviously podcasters listening to this as well, or there's aspiring podcasters. What were the main kind of reasons why people kind of threw in the toe? There was a lot of reasons, but it was all around just a few. Well, first off, there, there are the people that get into podcasting who just want to get rich, famous, or try something new. And that's okay if they stop, right? Like it, it, that's really, it's not the best medium for any of those things, right? If you want to try something new, you might, that's cool. You can learn the, the podcasting, but you'll learn very quickly. Oh, this is a lot of work. I'm out of here. So that's like the majority of people over 50% are again, want to get rich, famous, or just learn something new. And they kind of move off pretty quick, but the people that have a passion, a purpose, a desire to serve somebody, that's the other group. When that group leaves and Roy, you know, this we call it uh, pod fading in the biz, right? So um, when they pod fade, they just, which just means they stop producing episodes. It's typically, typically around stress or anxiety that's coming from their show. They're feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling like, again, going back to burnout, right? They're feeling burnout on it. They just, they haven't built a good system around it. And I think that many of us, we listen to some of these bigger shows and we're like, Ooh, I could, I could do that. I say bigger shows, Roy, I'm not referring to mine and yours. I'm referring to like the wandery shows where there's millions of people listening. What a lot of people don't realize we're like, Oh, I want to do a show kind of like that. Some of those shows have budgets of tens of thousands of dollars for every episode and more than 20 staff members working full time on it. And so when you say, Ooh, I want to do that. I'm like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> if you can produce what they do with, $20,000 and 20 people, like I would be very curious to know how, right? And so we put this really un unrealistic expectation. And I don't mean to be rude by saying that, but this unrealistic expectation ourselves. And then that's when the stress, the pressure, the anxiety comes in because you might be able to do one or two of those, but then you're like, I don't know how I'm going to keep up with this. I'm, I'm bleeding cash and it's not really growing because initially podcasts are very hard to, to get traction on. It, it changes over time. But, and then I'm, I'm just spending all of my waking hours and hours I should be sleeping, working on it. Those are some of the, the major problems that come into play. 
And there's a bunch of little things, but really it all seems to stem from that. What, what I see with a lot of people is they see the likes of, say, Joe Rogan or Patrick Beck, David, all these massive guys, and they see the millions of numbers and they expect to have millions of downloads. And what I say to people that kind of brings it home is if you're in a room and 30 people turn up, would you be happy? Absolutely. And if they're there again next week, do you think you'd say, ah, I don't want to talk to them and disappear? And just to look at it like that, because you can change the life of one person based on a conversation that you have. You'll never know it. The ripple effect is, you know, even some people like I don't know how many people have started podcasting because of you, but you could have in indirectly you're reaching multiple millions because of that. Man, I love that you shared that. That's the best perspective to have in podcasting. And I hope that someone hears this probably, I mean, there's a lot of speakers who listen to this podcast, right? Like that, that's who's listening to this. Being a guest is value on podcasts is extremely valuable for speakers as well, but you can't have the mentality. Oh, I only want to be on the Joe Rogans of the world because there's millions of people listening. And what you just shared is perfect. If there was a room of 30 people that are the perfect people for you to talk to, would you not go there every week if they were sitting there waiting for you? And the answer is yes. On either side of the mic, no one's going to say no to that. Uh, but I think Roy, maybe you can help with this a little bit, this thought, because um, just you doing your podcast production, you really know this stuff well. Uh, I think people are almost preconditioned by social media numbers, which it's not apples to apples, but do you agree with that? Like people look at social media and think my podcast should be just like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I don't say not to track the numbers because I do. I track everything because I can see, okay, I didn't uh, do the post there or do a clip on something like that, but I never let it kind of knock me you know it's it's like because you don't know it changes it, the algorithms and everything you just don't know and it's can you trust all the platforms not really you know because they, they, they don't give the true figures I, I believe as well just from stuff that I've seen and if that's your main thing that's going to make you happy I'd be honest with you I remember the very first when I, I it was 2018 when I started doing the speaking podcast and I was trying to get total downloads to 100 and I was like in a Toastmaster club did you listen to it did you listen to it and I was like <laughs> trying to get people to 100 then it was yeah. a I remember when I hit you know with the different ones when I hit a million it was like eh. it was it I thought I'd be jumping up and down and like you know with all of them now does a bit you know the like the Polish one YouTube seems to be way better than the other one I how they work I don't really know I try I do kind of the same thing with all of them it's it's strange but I don't let it affect me and the main thing is, like, I've said it to a lot of people, and I've said it earlier, it's like, when you know that you're helping somebody, I've always, it's always about them. And I know you're the same, not just your 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 podcasting made simple now, but pre previously I was listening, you've creating a brand, I believe, or something Correct. like that. Was, yep, that was my old you know, show. Yeah. And it was like, but you're always like that. You're always kind of helping people. It's never about kind of self-promoting or anything like that. It's always about what I can do for others. And I believe when you kind of come with that attitude, it'll reach and sometimes something happens it just you you get a sh a shout out from somebody and it, it just jumps and you tend to stay there and if it dips don't knock yourself yeah i, I really agree I, I love that you're sharing this and at the end of the day the quote that i like to use with this is do for one what you wish you could do for all and at the end of the day it's all about serving that one person and i think that if we can get in the mindset again though of like we're here to serve and even if it's a small audience if it's the right audience it's still worth our time i, I had a Someone reached out to me the other day, Roy, and uh, he's like, I'm a world-renowned public speaker. I only want to be on podcast with more than uh, 500,000 people listening to every episode. Uh, and 
I didn't say this, but in my head, because I'm, I'm just, I like to think I'm a nice person, but in my head, I was like, when was the last time you talked in front of an audience of 500,000 people, right? Like when, like, why is this number realistic? But again, we're preconditioned by this idea of big numbers on social media, because if you get a video with 500,000 views, you're praised, even though you and I both know, Roy, that like sometimes like an engagement on social media can be a little, little questionable, right? If you just like, lose your finger for a second and like do something, you know, like, you, oh, I got some on my finger. What is that? Okay. Keep on scrolling. Like that counts as an engagement, right? So it's a, it's a little different, a little wonky, but at the end of the day, what we're saying, I think is just so important that we're, we got to be here to serve people. If you can find someone with your ideal audience, like a podcast with that, be a guest on that show. If they have 20, 30 people listening again, just in your mind, pretend that that's a room full of people that are literally there eager to learn and hear your story. The people that reach out to me and then they try to get on the show and then they're asking for the numbers. I don't give numbers. It's like you either want to come on the show or you don't. And I've had very famous people on The Awakening. They have never asked for the numbers. Right. I, I, they get you know, it. So they, they understand. They it. get it. They get it. Exactly. And some people don't share their numbers because they're embarrassed. Yours are the opposite. You have like really good numbers. It's just strictly an integrity thing for you. It's like, that's just exactly. not what it's about. So I can't feed that ego. Right. I, I respect that. I think it's Another reason your show's so good, because again, like I've been listening to it, and it's like, man, every time you've just got these high quality guests after high quality guests, and I, I love that. I think it's great, man. No, it's brilliant. Thanks. So, with the speaking, because I know that you've kind of done the run, but what I want to say is, like, you're doing events as well, and you're kind of set up, which you show a lot. You kind of how you're recording it, I mean, but it's extremely professional. So, I suppose you might just talk on the kind of online, but then also on the stage, what you've kind of because you're doing a load of uh, speaking now with, with all the different companies that you've kind of under one umbrella. Yeah. Um, so, it is interesting because you and I both know speaking behind a microphone into a camera is very different than speaking on a stage. Like, it, it's really different. So, for me, like right now, as we're recording this, I'm not moving around a lot. But if I'm on a physical stage, I, I don't, I don't even know what my style is. I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to like articulate this, but I move around a lot. I'll like kind of lean on a podium. If it's there, I'll like walk off the stage a little bit. That's just kind of my personality. Um, but, uh, when I'm podcasting or doing something video, it's really important that I'm, I'm, my gaze stays mostly connected to the camera and I don't really move around a lot. My hands move a lot. I can't help that. But, um, but past that it's, it's two very different things. As a matter of fact, it doesn't always translate well. And you, you've probably seen this. Some of the best public speakers I've ever met aren't very good at podcast guesting uh, and they certainly didn't want to try to be a host and vice versa. I've met some really great hosts that the second they get in front of people physically, they freeze up and they're just like, Oh, I don't really know what, know what to do here. Uh, and you're like, wow, but you're so animated on your show. Like how, how have you been able to do that? It's weird. The lack of correlation between the two. I don't know if you found the same thing, but it's like, man, speaking publicly and speaking through a podcast mic type of thing is totally different um I, anyway i don't know if that answers your question but i no, think that's important for you to understand like with me i was late to the game kind of learning speaking so getting on stage but i found that kind of doing live because i do kind of sometimes twice a week a live call for up to two hours and yeah there was a little bit of jitters but now it's no problem whatsoever but the speaking being on stage did it was only my last i spoke at mind valley that was the only time in my, that I wasn't nervous on stage. I always get the jitters at some stage, like, you know, and even sometimes like uh, doing an interview, it's like the first few seconds, sometimes there is a bit of, uh, of know, nerves there, but it, I think it's more because you care as well. You know, you care that your message is going to actually reach the people and you're serving them best. 
You know, there, there's a great Mark Twain quote that says there's two types of speakers in the world. Those that get nervous and those that are liars. <laughs> and I think that it's just, it's our humanity. Like, I, I think if we almost don't allow ourselves to have some sort of nerves before we speak, whether it's virtually or in person, I think we're either it's not important to us because if it's not, you know, when something's not really important, you don't really get nervous about it. Right. So maybe we don't have the right perspective, but, uh, but two, uh, maybe we think we're not prepared enough. Right. Like, and we're just like, I don't really care. So again, it kind of all goes at the same thing, but I think it's what, what I've learned to do. And this happens for me on one of my podcast guests, host, when I'm going on stage, I, I always tend to get all say, quote unquote, nervous, but I've just learned through having a speaking coach that the the chemicals that are released in your body when you're nervous are almost exactly the same to the chemicals that are released when you're excited about something. And all it really takes to flip that switch is to tell yourself, I'm not nervous. I'm just really excited to get up there and serve people. Or I'm just really excited to spend this time on speaking podcasts with Roy because he's got a great audience I want to serve. I'm just excited about it. And when you tell yourself that, it doesn't necessarily make the nerves go away, but you will notice you get more excited about it and less like fearful of it, if that makes sense. And that little tweak right there has helped me so much as a podcaster, as a speaker. I mean, it's just anytime I'm talking, that has helped me so much. I remind myself, I'll say it out loud. I'm just really excited about this. I'm excited to, to do this. I'm excited to be here. And typically, those are my first words when, I, when I'm on a stage. Someone introduces you on a stage, right? And I'm like, I am so excited to be here. And some could translate that I'm really nervous right now, but I just think as long as we're willing to, to make those small little tweaks, it helps a lot. And then the other tip that goes right along with that, Roy, that is something you already brought up. I want to just share here because you brought it up is think about the one person needs you most. One of the reasons we get nervous is because we put the pressure on ourselves to deliver, to, to present, right. To be some sort of entertainment for people. But really, if we say I'm here to serve one person and it's not about me, it's about them. That's a calming thing. And in podcasting, that's always what I remind myself before I get on, right before we got on here, the first thing I said is I'm here to serve somebody in Roy's audience who needs to hear the message I have most. I'm not here for Alex Sanfilippo. And, and therefore, whether we, whether we, you know, you mentioned Podmatch right out the gate, I mean, thank you for that. But whether that came up or not, it doesn't matter because I'm here for somebody else. I'm not here for myself. And again, that team seems to calm me down as well. So um, those are some, some speaking tips, if you will, that, that have worked extremely well for me. Yeah, no, that's pretty. And I have heard you like speaking a lot, and that's something that you don't do. You don't kind of because sometimes you'll get a guest that's doing a pitch fest, and the reason that I brought up is because I believe everybody will benefit from it. But you've probably experienced that as well. Like there was one time I actually didn't hear it. It was like the guy just kept no matter what question you gave, it was going back to what oh, he can no. do. And yeah, exactly. So I'm conscious of that I even know in the pitch when they're coming in that that's what they're trying to do. And I presume you've kind of seen that as well. You can kind of read between the lines. They're not here to you know, help people. They're here, I want to get 100 clients and I not really care about you know, your audience. Yeah, I've had, I've had three episodes I've not aired for that exact reason. And, and maybe I didn't do a good pre-interview. Maybe I didn't do like a good, I just didn't see that coming. And at the end of the day, the, again, Roy, your podcast, you have a, all your shows are good that I've heard. I haven't heard all of them, but the shows I've heard are all really good. Um, you are the wall between your listeners and a potential bad guest, right? Like you're the one that has to decide that. And I love that you just said, can't air this one, right? It's a pitch fest. I don't want that. And so for me, there was three of them. That I just, it, it kept me up at night, each of them, each time I did it, because I felt bad because I, I feel like I maybe like wasted their time, but really it's not going to serve the people that are trusting me with their time. And so I, I just couldn't do it. And the, the weird thing is, and you and I both know this as well, but 
almost the less you pitch yourself, the more interested people are in you. I, I don't know if you've noticed that as well, but Definitely. like yeah. to me, my guests that like, like they have come on and have like just refused to talk about anything that they do. They're like, you can talk about it if you want, but I'm not going to talk about it. I'm like, okay, fine. They're always ones that are like, man, I got a lot out of your episode. I'm like, you didn't even like mention what you do, but they just showed up, add value, served. And people are like, I like this person. I'm going to go look them up. I think that that's like, people are just getting really smart. Let's put it that way, Roy, right? The average person is getting really smart. They can see right through when you're just trying to sell them something. But when you're not, people are like, that's who I want to do business with. The person who just wants to help me, right? I'm, I'm going on a little rant here. I don't mean to, no, Roy, no, but you're, that's, you're, those are my I, thoughts on no, it. Definitely. And like as transparency, like with most of mine, like I don't read a script because I'm conscious that a lot of people are sending the script to the person and they're saying, oh, he's this, 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 this. And they go, oh, thank you very much. That's a great. And like 90% of the listeners know that the person has actually emailed them the bio for to read out. Correct. And I will say this. You do your research, though, because there's the opposite host of, of you who doesn't take the questions, but also doesn't do any research. And they just start asking questions. Like I heard one the other day. They had like a real, I don't know how they got this really big author on the show. And that this guy was in, I'm just going to leave it all nameless um, just for uh, privacy sake. But so really big author. That's what he's known for. That's what he does. And this guy's interviewing him and he goes, oh, you have a book? Oh, you have a bunch of books. Oh my gosh, they're bestsellers. I'm like, did you even Google the guy's name? Right? So like, if you're not going to use the script, which I also like you, I don't do that. I don't recommend that, but at least have an idea of who you're talking to. So you can kind of at least make sure the direction is going to be healthy for for the for the listeners right instead of going off on a tangent that doesn't really matter and like because you mentioned you listened to previous episodes of uh, my show and i've been a guest on other shows as well some being very good but there was one and the guy is a very i won't say names either very professional speaker with you know podcast and as i was going on he basically said so what did we say we were going to talk about again just prior to recording but I had my homework done, so I was able to say what it was, and we ended up having a good interview. But only for me being prepared, I don't think it would have been even half as good as it was. So it kind of works both good sides. Job. Way to save yeah. the day. <laughs> exactly. So, like, you're the, the face of, you know, Podmatch, Podpros, and everything. But what I love about you is you always give credit to your co-founder, Jesse, and you work with your wife as well. You're always mentioning them, which a lot of people don't, and I admire you for that. So, like, one... I mean, I like uh, Jesse is the, kind of the back end software stuff, I believe, from 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 listening to your stuff. But you're you're working with your wife as well, which I think is is wonderful. And you can see just from different events and just all the pictures and everything that you've got a fantastic bond together. It doesn't always work with with people when they you know bring a relationship into the a business, but it has obviously for yourself. So, what tips could you give that that has helped you in that? Yeah, this is a topic. I, I'm glad you asked this. I, I never really get to talk about this. I'm glad you also see that because I don't want it just to be all Alex. And over time, I want to bring more and more people into what I talk about. But Jesse and Alicia are the other two co-founders. And so uh, Alicia and I, we, we've been married since 2012 and happily married the entire time, which I'm really thankful for. And we've worked together. We worked together in corporate before we were married. So like we, we kind of knew like we had that. I helped her out when she she um, created and sold a, a clothing boutique, which was online and brick and mortar. Um, and then we work together doing this now. And we've just always really enjoyed it. I think that the number one key is first and foremost, boundaries is the first thing. And what I mean by boundaries is like, it's not work time 24 seven. So I, I can't just 
text her if she's not at home, be like, Hey, what's going on with this? I didn't see a response here or just calling her walking into where she works. Right. She works in another room, just kicking down the door being like, Hey, what are we doing here? Right. Like having boundaries around that and, and also setting them together. So that, that pours into my next point, which is communication. So important that you just communicate about it. And so for us, like one of the boundaries we said is we have office hours twice a day. We only talk to each other about work two separate times during the day. And we have those times preset and we, and we kind of move into like a common area because we work out of the home. So we move into the common area of our home and that's where we'll like, she'd be like, Hey, I had like five questions for you today. And then if I had any questions for her, if we wanted to work together. So again, it's not just, she's not about to kick down the door and come in here and be like, hold on a minute, Roy, <laughs> I got a question for Alex, right? Like this is not going to happen. And so again, we built the boundaries around that and we have really strong communication and both of us, especially Alicia, I've learned this from her. She's really good at, at turning it off. And what I mean by that is, 6 30 p.m local time is when we stop close the laptops close shut everything down we're done and she's really good about not opening it back up and bringing up work and i struggled with that for a long time but she's really helped me to learn that and the truth is like that's what's probably made me a good founder is is actually having some work-life balance which I'll, i'll credit to her to helping me do but being able to like have that balance helps me show up really well every day because I'm not just working 24 seven, you know, eventually you come back to burnout again. I love that episode you did with Martin. Like you, you just, you get burnout, right. And then you're not, you're not showing up very well for people after that. But uh, yeah, so communication being huge, having some boundaries is really good. And then the last thing that we as a team, including Jesse are really good about is building out SOPs, standard operating procedures, super important to us to make sure that we know whose role is what, so there's not a lot of overlap, right? But then also we document everything. We do that from day one and, and all of us have corporate backgrounds. So I guess maybe it's kind of in our DNA to do that, right? But we basically, are, there's never a time where someone has to ask me, hey, how do we do this again? Because we've built some sort of training database internally for how we handle certain situations. And by doing that, again, we're able to, to streamline all of our processes instead of it being constant interruption and chaos. And we just have chosen not to do that. But uh, but yeah, uh, Alicia is is brilliant as well. So it's makes it really easy to work with somebody like that. She's extremely no, smart, very extremely professional because so. I just get invoices and stuff like that. It's just, yeah. you just know just from a response how nice a person is. You know, it's, it makes And she's equally as nice in person as she is online. She's not like, there's literally no difference. So I, I've learned a lot from her and how to communicate well. And so it, it's, I guess it makes it easy for me to do what I'm doing when I have a wife like that and I have a business partner like that, right? Like they're, they're just salty to earth, great people. And it makes what I do very simple. Brilliant. So- I know that we've kind of had a lot of similarities that we've discussed and there's one, another one, and I want to sh- discuss it because sometimes people kind of throw in the towel and they think uh, nothing's working for me. I was big in real estate. I had a load of properties and everything and I lost the whole, everything. I, I went to <laughs> minus 5 million euro in debt because I was personally liable for all the developments that I was doing. And I know that you you were building a real estate empire as well. And, I want to discuss it because there's a lot of people, when, when you talk to an entrepreneur, a lot of entrepreneurs, they get knocked 20 times, but you just think it's you. And I think it's worth discussing it because you have built, a, I believe, an empire and it's just getting better and better. You're, you're knocking the competition out of the waters, but just show a little journey. So you might just touch on that, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, Roy, this is so important. And by the way, again, we talk about you being one step ahead of me. You also lost a lot more than me. So let me make that really clear. Um, and I'm so sorry about that. I, I, I've seen you, you've come full circle. So congratulations. Um, the man, the entrepreneurial journey 
is like one that is so from a media standpoint, you know, how this is, it's so like sexy to the world, quote unquote, because it's like, man, you, like Alex started this company and it just took off and grew. If you've seen all the times I've failed versus succeeded still to this day, like the little things I try that fail versus succeed, it'd blow your mind. And so whenever people are like, man, I want to do what you did. I'm like, maybe like you haven't seen the 15 years it was in the making or 20 years it was in the making of like being crazy in debt because I had real estate crashes and stuff, right? So there, there's the journey that goes with it. But I do think that as long as we don't give up, it just, it, it's it's a piece of, it's a brick in the wall, right? It's something that helps you build up who you are and, and create what you create. But going back to the real estate stuff, yeah, I started real young when I was actually in my teen years. I started like a little, if you will, technology company. I had a, also weird, this was back in the early 2000s, I got a fully remote company, um, which was also interesting. And we were just doing virtual tours of homes, which now are very common. Back then we were building, we were pioneering the tech, which basically means you're looking at a home like on, in the United States, we use Zillow or any of the real estate websites where you can just kind of drag the mouse and like look all around the roof. You can look at the floor, right? We were building those back in the early 2000s. And because of that, I saw so, like I was on, on the editing side. So I was one of the editors and I had other editors and photographers to go take the pictures. But I was like, so curious about real estate. And that just kind of like sparked my interest. I'm like, hey, did they add that bathroom on? It looks so different. Every other house we do in that neighborhood has two bathrooms. This one has three. Oh, did they add that bonus? Right. I was just very curious. And because of that, as soon as I turned 18, I was like, that's it. Roy, I'm investing in real estate. Right. That's basically what I said. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go make this happen. So I bought a property, immediately turned it into a rental property, started looking at some others. And thankfully, I didn't get too deep into it. But at that point is when we just had the major recession hit. So this was 2006 is when I bought my my rental. And then at that point, it, things just went downhill. And so like my company just, instead of going under, I just, I had a partner in it. I just gave it to the partner. There was no exchange of money. I was just like, I, there's nothing here anymore. We were doing 30 homes a day and now we're doing one a month. Like I, I don't need any any staff, like there's nothing here. And then I was really upside down on, on a mortgage at that point, right? So I ended up uh, eventually moving into that place. And uh, yeah, it was... That's actually what got me into corporate, Roy, is, is is that failure scared me so much. And up to that point, when I was a when I was a kid, I, I did stuff like you did. I was flipping stuff on eBay, buying and selling, cleaning, cleaning cars, doing all that. And there's not a lot of like failure that can happen there. Or if it is, it's like $20 here and there, right? But this one was huge. This one had this one had over six figures in it. And I was like, man, I don't want to do this. So that's what that's actually what got me into corporate is I, I got gun shy and I was like scared to be an entrepreneur. And uh, that's kind of that journey, which I guess isn't necessarily the most, again, sexy thing for people to hear about an entrepreneur, but like, that's just the reality of what I faced. And can you remember your thought process of how you got back to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, um, it, it was years later. Uh, so I did 15 years in corporate, but at year 12, similar to you, is when I was ready to leave. It just took me a little bit to figure it out. But uh, I, the reason I wanted to leave is the company that I was part of was a, sm a small organization for the first 10 years and it started growing and getting really big. <clears throat> and then it ended up going public. So it was a publicly traded aerospace company. And um, I ended up at the C-suite level, really loved it, really enjoyed it. But once it was public, the culture changed a lot. And, and not in a bad, like the, the actual culture of the company, I shouldn't say changed. Like the staff was great. The team was great. We're still getting a lot done, but we had shareholders. We had board members. We had people selling stock, like stocks, all, all the things, right? And so now- I was that whole time, I feel like I was a little bit of an entrepreneur just working in an organization, which I think Roy has been coined entrepreneur. 
I don't know if that's a real term, but I've heard people saying that a lot, which is means you're an entrepreneur, but working in an organization. And so that's what I was. But when we went public, that was no longer an option. Like it, it, you just can't do that anymore. And so, because I, I just had to basically follow the status quo and like, and, and just stick with where we were going. And I just remember starting to feel like the writing was on the wall. That was time for me to go. And so at year 12, again, I didn't leave till year 15. I just started a bunch of side hustles. So in the evenings, I was just working on other things to, to re-explore who I was as an entrepreneur, which I think is really important. A lot of us think we have to just, okay, I'm going to stop my job and I'm going to start something. I think it's better just to have a side hustle, figure out what you like. Don't put a lot of pressure there. But Roy, what I learned is I wasn't actually good at being an entrepreneur because <laughs> everything I did was like totally crashing and burning like over and over and over again. Everything I seemed to put my hands to just wasn't working. And that's when I got, I don't know if it was smart or if it was just being naive, but I was like, I need some coaching. You can get free coaching if you have a podcast. So I'm going to have a podcast talking to entrepreneurs who had successfully left a nine to five job to become an entrepreneur full time. And I'm going to talk to them about what they did and how they did it. And that right there was my introduction to podcasting, which strangely enough, taught me how to become an entrepreneur, like really do it well. And two, it found my lane. Like I, I figured out I wanted to be in podcasting and I, I just made like a 15 year journey really condensed for you. But uh, that was kind of how the whole thing went. Brilliant. And like with the, when you're interviewing people, what I found is your life is changing based on the conversations that you've had. Like that's something that I'd never expected. It's like you get such good advice and you're, you might say buy a book, be, belong to the person or they, they inspire so much in the conversation. So good. You say, I need to go out and get this. And you make so much changes to your life based on your guests coming on. Oh yeah. I, Roy, I know you, I believe I've heard you say you read a hundred books a year. Am I right in quoting that? That's okay. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That which unreal, by the way, I, the most I've ever done was 52. So again, Roy always one step ahead of Alex, except for in podcasts, whatever that global listen number is, which listen is notes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but so 52 is what I was reading, but you're right. I was, the reason I was reading 52 books a year, my accountability was the next week I was going to interview the guest who's, that was the book we were going to talk about. And so it was my accountability to learn it, to read it. And then I'm, I'm big on implementation as I know you are as well. So I was just like able to apply what I was learning and man, it literally shaped me as an entrepreneur. And I still go back to some of those conversations and the ones I have now that have just helped so much. I mean, that that's kind of the, one of the beautiful parts, the bonuses in being a podcast host. Like it's going to cause you to level up as well. Um, my suggestion though would be if anyone's listening, you're listening to speaking podcasts and you're like, wow, I want to, I want, I want my own podcast. Uh, hit up Roy. Don't do it on your own because the failure rate is just, trust me, it's a lot more than you think it is. But if someone can help you keep the main thing, the main thing by taking off some of the the pressure, that is worth it right there. But uh, but yeah, being a podcast host has been the best education I've ever, better than any formal education I've had in my life. This has been the best for me. Oh, brilliant. And like with the, you're doing pod lottery as well, which I, to be honest, I signed up there. other. I had seen it over the, you know, the few months that you were doing it, but it's actually fantastic because you're ending up listening to a podcast that you wouldn't normally come across. And today there was one and I was like, wow, this is really good. And like, so you might just let people know what is pod lottery. Yeah, that, that's the newest thing. And this was just like a passion project of what we're doing. Um, because all I do is podcasting. I always tell people I'm hundred percent podcasting. And I think it's, this is a side note, a little bonus, if that's okay, Roy, it's so important to pick, to pick a niche, like find your lane and get in it. And for me, it's podcasting at first. It was just connecting guests and hosts for interviews. And it's still in my same lane, still my same niche, but I've just narrowed it in on a few other ways that we can kind of help do that. So just, I think it's so important. So everything we, I do is, is podcasting. Again, I think that's really important. You actually had a conversation with Nikki Blue. It was episode 213. 
back on uh, April 18th, 2023. Uh, I'm a fan of Nikki Blue, and you, yeah, you and him talked about good, narrowing yeah. your niche. And if that, uh, we're not going to get into that today, but like if that is a topic that you're hearing this, you're like, that's something I'm interested in, go back to Speaking Podcast, episode 213. Listen to that. I digress on to Pod Lottery. So the idea was just as I was talking to people that, again, I'm serving the podcast hosts were saying, Alex, I'm having trouble getting reviews on my podcast. And my first, my first thought was like, well, ask your listeners. And it turns out a lot of podcasters, they have very intimate shows on topics that are maybe even taboo that their listeners would <clears throat> never want to actually leave a review because they don't want their name on it. And I was like, oh, wow, that actually makes sense. Nor would the host. I was like, I don't want their name on it either. So I was like, we need a way for these people to be able to get reviews. And who better to leave a review for a podcast than another host who also wants a review? So the idea for Pod Lottery was can we build a really simple more or less review swap among podcasters, but make it in a fun lottery system way. So every day, if you leave a review, you win a ticket. If you get that uh, that ticket, every night numbers are drawn. If your number is drawn, then you win a t- you win a review or up to a bunch of reviews. We had somebody last month, I believe, when like a or maybe I don't know when it was, but someone like 162 reviews at some point. Which I was like, oh. that's amazing, right? They guessed a lot of numbers right, um, which is statistically impossible, but I guess that's cool that someone somehow made it happen. Um, but anyway. Uh, it's just a really fun thing to connect podcasters. And for me, I've actually, same thing. You pick the categories you're interested in. And I've found some shows I now like to listen to that I would have otherwise never known existed. So I left them a review and now I'm actually a listener of their show as well. So it's just a fun thing. Like there's no no dollars ever going to be exchanged. It's totally free. Just something for fun for us to do. And just on, well, with the listen notes, I'm convinced that the reviews actually form part of that algorithm because obviously numbers, but if, because not all shows would have a, a massive reach and I think they take that into account. So if there's a lot of reviews, it helps you go up the charts. And I mean, I always ask, I ask constantly and just, just for yourself, like I, like I was selling a property here in, uh, in Butch where I'm living. And as I was walking to the car park with the two guys, they were kind of saying, what do you do? And I got them both to give me a, a review on their, you know, it's like, don't have shame. So many people, they're even afraid to say it on the podcast. I would ask a dog if the dog had a phone, like, you know, just, right, yeah. Not, what's the worst they can do is say no. Most people will help. Like, I'm always, like, when I see somebody doing something, I'll always give a thumbs up a support. And I see you're very good at that as well. Like, you totally engage with, with your uh I suppose followers or the people that are in the platform, because anytime somebody, not just me, because recently, you know, I was kind of saying about the, the amount of shows that I've done and given praise to, but I've seen that constantly over the years that when somebody is writing, you're constantly engaging and tanking and everything. And very few people do that. And I think that's kind of the reason to your success. Yeah. I appreciate you mentioning that, you know, to, to me, the only way to do business is human to human. So it's not B2B, it's not B2C, it's H to H, if you will, right? Human to human. And so for me, I don't I don't have anybody running my social media. And that's the first thing most founders do is they hire an 18-year-old intern to run all that and just be like, just keep everyone happy and don't tell me about it, right? And so for me, I was like, no, I want to be involved and in, I call it our community. So like Pod Pros is our umbrella, if you will, of like our whole company. So that's like the the, the education piece, the podcast all falls under Pod Pros and we have our, our individual software, but it all falls under that. And so for me, I want to be really active in the pod pros community. I want to be around with them. If I don't, I find that I quickly lose touch and then I might fall out of my own niche, right? I might start building something else because I'm not even in tune with what people actually want and need and what the struggle is. So for me, that's the highlight of my day is getting to actually be in the community and just be another member of it. I'm not even always the one with the answers, but I get to be 
part of a thriving group of people that want to help each other succeed. So ultimately we can impact the lives of listeners because that is the common trend all of us have is we're here to try to impact the life of somebody who's going to ultimately hear our voice or the voice of our guests. Absolutely. And I, I saw a post recently because you you have your event coming up and you had the picture of all the speakers and somebody had gave uh, a comment of like, you should give us more information from that. And I mean, you know, like if that was like the 18 year old girl or something like that, they wouldn't even understand that. Whereas you're look, looking at that and realizing the value of that message that they have just given you. Yeah, that was a. Uh... That was actually another um, podcasting guy, uh, Mark Ronick was who it was, uh, who put that. And I was like, I instantly was like, I told Alicia when we had our office hours, as we call, I was like, I definitely should include a little bit more because no one, no offense, but no one knows who those speakers are. People don't even know who I am. Like, but if it had more interesting would just be to put the, even the title under it. Right. So that was very good advice. And yeah, you're right. If that was my intern, let's just imagine I had one, right. If that was my intern doing that, it would have never come back to me. Therefore, I would have never had the chance to improve. So next quarter, there will be a much better graphic. Let's put it that way. Brilliant. And just for finally, because you've got the pod SOP as well. Yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. So you might just let people know what that's about. Yeah, sure. That's the last of our software. So again, pod pros being the, the umbrella, if you will, right? And that's our education or podcast, all that. But then we have pod match, podcast SOP and pod lottery and pod podcast SOP is the only one we haven't talked about, which stands for standard operating procedures. I realize again, podcasters getting stressed and overwhelmed being one of the main reasons they decide to quit that there had to be something for that. So I started recommending Asana, Trello, Monday.com, all the project management software. And that was great for the people who knew how to use those already. But for the person who's already feeling stressed and overwhelmed, when I was recommending that to them, like, Alex, this thing does 20,000 different things and it takes six months to learn. Like, I, what, what do you want me to do? I'm already stressed and overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, shoot, good point. This is not helpful. And again, that's just me chatting with the people that, that are actually trusting me with their time. And so we built Podcast SOP to be a very simple project management software specifically to help podcasters release their episodes on time. It's more or less, and Jesse would probably hate to hear me say this, it's more or less a glorified checklist that you push a button, add a new episode, and it automatically populates every single step that you do. If you have a team, it assigns team members. There's ways you can comment. You can exchange um, files on there and it won't, um, it won't like, uh, I forgot what the word is, but it won't like cut down on the quality of them. And there's even instructions. So for us, like when we, whenever we hire anybody new into like our, um, like on the podcast side of things, there's 30 minutes or less of education. Cause I'm like, read the notes on every single one of these 65 steps we do every time we're releasing a podcast episode, click a button and it's all there. And so that was kind of the beauty of it. It's actually proven to be very helpful. Um, I don't know the exact number, but last time I checked, you are 12 times more likely to make it as a podcaster. If you use podcast SAP versus if you don't. And that to me, I was like, this is a win. Even if there's only thousand people ever who use it or whatever it might be that that's amazing we're helping those people stay podcasting longer and uh, that's just so everyone knows I, I don't mean to pick a favorite but that is my favorite thing i probably will ever be part of creating because i just have that sop driven mind that standard operating procedure driven mind like documentation all that stuff it's just kind of the way my brain works so that's my favorite thing that i'll ever build let's put it that way so like I always like to ask my guests about the social media I mean I we, we've talked about you engaging but like what you find kind of serves you best because like what I've noticed when I was podcasting first with say the speaking podcast you know five years ago when you do a, a Facebook post you get 100 200 hearts thumbs up or whatever there's so many people see it whereas now it's like one two it's like the engage because it's just they show you sponsorship or whatever they just the algorithm right. it's, it's not the same as it was so i'm curious 
for you and the company, like what you find serves you best? Yeah, just do my best to keep my personality in it. So less corporate, more personality. And I've learned like the little tricks, like don't include a link if you're going to do a link comment, right? Or like, don't mention leaving comments, don't mention sharing. Like all, there's a bunch of little tricks that you just kind of learn along the way. Uh, but the main thing is just, can I just, can people see Alex Sanfilippo through what I'm going to share? And what the way I like to say it, and the team, I was like, and we don't always do a great job of this, but we are consistently getting better. Social media is a, an evolving beast, right? Um, but we're always getting a little bit better with this. And I just say, let's not post anything that doesn't have potential to go viral among the people that we're supporting. I don't care if it reaches 100,000 people because that's not who I'm serving. There's a few hundred, maybe a few thousand people in total. If they all see it, and it's valuable to them. Like it's, it's worthy of them commenting, liking, sharing. Then that's what we want to post. Beyond that, Let's not waste anyone's time. There's so much content out there. And I get that's sort of counterintuitive to the way that people use social media, which is just post more and more and more. I say, let's do less and less and just make sure if we are going to post it, it's really good. And people can see our personalities through what we're sharing. And so we just do our best to keep it human. And our engagement consistently is increasing and growing. And I don't know if our followers are growing necessarily, but we're, we're doing a good job making sure that it stays valuable for people. And that at the end of the day is my focus. I don't put a lot of pressure on myself on the team to deliver any anything on social media other than hey let's just keep everyone posted and let's be ourselves listen alex totally enjoyed our conversation you might let people know how they can get in contact with you yeah no i really appreciate it roy first off if you are thinking about starting a podcast reach out to roy not to me i'm that's not my space roy has done has proven time and time again that he knows how to not only build a podcast but build it successfully so first and foremost if you're like i'm a speaker but i should be a podcaster as well I agree. Hit up Roy, not Alex. Um, if you're saying, hey, I want to look at something podcast guessing related, uh, you can check out Podmatch but, or, or anything else we talked about. But podpros.com has everything that I do. So if you just go to that website, that'll kind of give you an idea of everything I do. But uh, ultimately, Roy, I want to push people back to you. You've done such a good job. It's truly an honor to be here today. And I, I've, again, as someone who listens to your podcast, just have been enjoying it thoroughly. So thank you again. Thank you very much. And I mean, I said it at the start and I don't see things like that lately. It's like Podmatch has been the best thing that has happened to me. And like I have the two books actually there, Host Mastery yeah. and Guest Mastery, where you have had like you do the introduction on both books, but you have, I believe, 15 or 16 different people talking about how to do it. So if you're getting on the platform, you have to read them two books. They're, they're you know, it's like 10, 15 bucks, whatever it is. It's the best money you'll ever spend and it'll help you get there. But listen, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to create in the future because you've done amazing things. I'll make sure I'll put your links both on the audio and the video. So thank you very much, Alex. Yeah, thanks again, Roy. I appreciate it. No problem. So that's all for the Speaking Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. As mentioned, we're on YouTube. And you'll find all my other podcasts. I won't bother naming them because I think at this stage you probably know them. But um, my coaching bio.link forward slash podcaster. Be sure to give us a thumbs up, five-star rating. And make sure you check out Alex's podcast that it's uh, the uh, podcasting made simple because you get fantastic advice. And give him a five-star rating as well because it all helps. Until next week, take care.